This past Monday, I saw a post on social media that announced that one of my favorite writers had passed away at the age of 96. And perhaps some of you have heard of him before or even read one of his books. His name was Frederick Beekner. He was an ordained Presbyterian minister who found his calling not so much in pastoring congregations, but in writing both nonfiction and fictional works. I had first heard of him when I was a student at Wheaton College because he had served as a scholar in residence, and I got the chance to hear some lectures he gave when I was a freshman. This post that I saw asked people to comment and to share their favorite quotes by Frederick Buechner, and I was intrigued to see someone share a quote that I had just been thinking about a few days earlier in connection with our reading from Jeremiah. Frederick Buechner said, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. His insight is that God's call involves at least two essential things, the passions that God has given you and figuring out how those can address and speak to the needs of those around you. And those words had come to my mind in relationship to our reading because it's about God calling Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah isn't exactly, on first glance, a poster child for this quote because Jeremiah is not known for being particularly glad. He's actually called the weeping prophet. And it's understandable that he shed a lot of tears during his ministry because he had a very tough assignment. As we heard in today's reading, God told him, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The message that God gave Jeremiah was intended to convict the people of Israel of their sin, with a warning that if they did not repent, they would be leading themselves towards destruction. And the hope behind Jeremiah's role was that the people would listen and would turn away. The people of Israel were hurtling towards a cliff, and Jeremiah's unglamorous job was to call after them, to tell them to hit the brakes and to turn around. But we all know how much human beings enjoy being told, what you're doing is wrong, stop it. Jeremiah faced mocking, rejection, and imprisonment for sharing a message that nobody wanted to hear. And while gladness might not be quite the right word for Jeremiah, I think a better word would be passion, that he had a, a great passion for this message that God had shared with him to give to the people. And in fact, the people to whom he spoke did need his words, even though they didn't recognize it. And so perhaps in a, in a sense, Jeremiah does help us to see Beekner's words as accurate. This story about Jeremiah's call is one of many stories in the Bible known as a call story. The call of Abraham, the call of Moses, of Jonah, Mary, or St. Paul. Each of them had an encounter one-on-one -on -one with God or a messenger of God who called them to do something important for him. 
It's really interesting to look at these stories alongside each other because each story is incredibly unique. God tailors his call to each person and their circumstances very personally. And for us, while we may not get as dramatic a call story as those recorded in the Bible, no burning bush in the desert or an angel appearing to us at night, but each of us in our own way has a role to play in God's story, whether we are lay people or clergy, longtime Christians or new ones, young or old. And in talking with people about their sense of call and in learning about it for myself, I've come across three common myths about God's call in our lives, how it comes about, what it's for, and, and why God calls us. I found that Jeremiah's call story reveals a truer picture than those myths of how and why God calls us. So I'd like to share them with you today. The first myth is that God calls people because they're special. The real standouts, the superstars. In this myth, people think of God like a talent scout who shows up at a college baseball game, sizes up the players, evaluates their performance, and then picks out the cream of the crop to draft to his major league team. Does that sound like God? Imagine if God asked us to show him just how much we're capable of and then paid attention to those who impressed him the most and decided if we made the cut. That's certainly not the impression that we get from the Bible and not from this story of Jeremiah. God's call isn't based on our performance, but on knowing us personally on the deepest level possible. We hear that when God tells Jeremiah, I've known you from before you were even conceived, let alone born. I made you, I formed you, I designed you. I know everything there is to know about you. You don't have to prove yourself to me. And I have plans in mind for you, and I will be with you, helping you to fulfill them. Those words are not just words that God spoke to Jeremiah, but they apply to each one of us. God knows each of us and loves us, and has in mind ways we can live more fully into his plans for us. And this truth is freeing because it means that God's call is not utilitarian. God isn't just using us to get something accomplished. If we run out of talent or get injured, God isn't going to send us back to the minor leagues. God's call isn't based on our potential, but our relationship with him, one that is loving and unshakable and everlasting. The second myth is that our flaws or lack of experience should hold us back from accepting God's call. It's interesting that even as the call stories in the Bible are very unique, there's also some things that are very similar about each one of them. And one of the parallels is that when God calls someone, they almost always tell God right off the bat why they aren't the right person for the job. Jeremiah says, truly, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. He feels the weight of God singling him out, and he doesn't feel ready or qualified. He thinks God should be calling someone else. I imagine each one of us probably has objections that we would raise should we feel a nudge from God. Maybe we feel we don't know the Bible well enough, or we worry that our ideas or enthusiasm will fall flat, 
or we worry that some sin in our past will disqualify us from God's service. But the truth is that God's call always comes to flawed people who have limitations and inadequacies. And God seems to actually have a penchant for calling people who don't seem to measure up, whose backgrounds would give other people pause, who are unexpected choices. I think this automatic reflex of why me should not hinder us from saying yes, but it does point to the humility that is part of accepting God's call. That God's call is about us learning to rely on him to do what he asks us to do. God's invitation usually feels daunting outside of our comfort zones. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul says that God intentionally calls people to do things beyond their natural skills and talents. He compares us to clay jars, which were not fancy, ornate pitchers reserved for a nice dinner. They were ordinary, commonplace storage containers of the day, the Tupperware of the first century. And God's intention in that analogy is not to denigrate us or our worth, but to say that our ordinariness shows that when God is at work through us, people won't get confused about what's going on. It will point to God's power within us, and people will see that we are not simply operating out of our own natural talents. When those whom God calls worry that they aren't qualified, God always says the same thing. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will help you. I saw a church sign earlier this weekend that I think God designed for, for me and for this sermon because it said, God does not call the equipped. God equips the called. So we don't have to have all our ducks in a row before God calls us. God promises to work in us, to strengthen us, to prepare us for challenges ahead. And the strength God builds within us will point others to him. The third myth is that God's call, if you follow it, will make you perfectly fulfilled. If a voice calls you from heaven, it will clear up all the questions of what should I do with my life and set you on an obvious path that will bring happiness and fulfillment. You'll wake up every morning excited to just get on with things. God does say that he has wonderful things in store for us, but this does not mean our path will be free of hard things. I mentioned earlier that perhaps one way to think about Jeremiah, if not gladness, is passion. And the word passion in English has an unexpected root in the Latin word for suffering. We have all probably heard of Jesus' suffering on Good Friday called the Passion of Christ. So there's this connection between passion and desire and pain. Jeremiah was a man with a passion, with the word of God burned within him, but speaking it did not lead him to living his best life ever. It led to an incredible amount of suffering. And that is one of two ways that God's call can be connected to suffering. Sometimes God calls us into situations that might bring suffering about. The history 
of God's people is full of saints who followed in their Lord's footsteps, undergoing a passion of their own that pointed others to Jesus' love, a love that took him all the way to the cross for us. But there is a second way that our call can be connected to suffering. And that is when God's call comes out of our darkest and hardest experiences. I was reflecting on people whose sense of call has come through suffering, and one of my neighbors came to my mind. Her name is Lena Lewandowski, and she's given me permission to share some of her story today. When Lena and her husband Jeff were expecting their first baby, whom they had named Strict after Lena's grandfather, everything about their pregnancy went smoothly until they went to a routine ultrasound two weeks before the due date and discovered that their baby no longer had a heartbeat. You can imagine the overwhelming grief that a parent endures in a situation like that. And perhaps some of us unfortunately do not have to imagine it because we have been through something similar. The suffering in those situations is intense and all-encompassing. It can be hard to imagine how life will go on. And Lena found over time that healing from her grief did come, although the grief also continued to come in waves. But she had a sense of God's presence with her in unexpected ways. God's voice letting her know that he was with her. That even in the midst of the mystery of their suffering and what they'd undergone, that God was still there. One of the most powerful things she said helped her was her pastor telling her that God's heart broke first, even before theirs did for the tragedy that they endured. As time went on, a year and a half after their son passed away, Lena and Jeff were in Mont Eagle, and they were driving down the mountain, which I'm sure many of us have done before. And Lena turned to Jeff and said, I think I'm ready to do something to honor Strict, to honor our baby's life. And she said the conversation that followed just felt like this gift that was given to them, this vision of what they were called to do that wasn't a matter of them researching the market or coming up with lots of ideas. It was very clear from the beginning. And in the span of those six or seven minutes it took them to drive down the mountain, they, they knew what they felt called to do. And it was to provide baby clothing for families in need while those families were still in the hospital after their child's birth, to give them a sign of, of hope when they are struggling and worried about providing for this child to let them know that someone cares. Lena called a lawyer friend of theirs pretty much right off the bat, and he immediately offered to help them set up their nonprofit. And within three months, their nonprofit called Strix Gift was up and running. They were delivering gift bags to hospitals here in the Nashville area that distributed them to families in need. Lena told me that she somehow never seems to run out of baby clothes. She said, when the bins in my basement empty out, somehow the next day, more clothes show up. And she said, no amount of, of, of clothes and donations could describe the joy that I get out of doing this now, of providing for other families. She described how 
when you're expecting a baby, you naturally develop this, this energy, this maternal and parental energy to, to care for your child. And when you're not able to do so, it was that energy needed to be channeled somehow. And she believes that God gave her a way to channel that energy into caring for other people's children and those parents. She said she kept hearing the words of Jesus in her mind, whatever you do for the least of these, you do it for me, including Jesus' words, I was naked and you clothed me. Lena told me this call has become a way for me to glorify God, to find healing for myself, to honor my child, and to help other people. Now, this is not to say that the difficult experiences and the grief that we go through, that God has brought them upon us just to teach us a lesson. There is a mystery that is involved in suffering that no good works afterwards takes away the pain of what people have been through. There are still questions that will linger for Lena and her family and families like theirs until heaven. And even though the wounds of grief can heal, a scar will still remain. But God does have the power to redeem our pain and work through it when we're ready to bring new life. So I wonder today, what sorts of passions you notice God giving you? Maybe it's work that brings you deep gladness, or maybe it's the type of passion that comes from your own suffering. I wonder if there is a need in the world you see that that passion could address. No two people's calls look identical. There is a great variety of creativity in the way that God calls his people. So we're not enacting a formula, but listening for God's voice, listening for God's direction towards that intersection between our passion and the need of the world. And God's response to those who are seeking to hear his call is always the same. I, I heard that response from God echoed a few weeks ago when we sang the hymn, How Firm a Foundation. And I'd like to close with those words today. So may we hear God's voice as we discern God's call in our lives. Fear not, I am with thee. O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. Amen.